0: It's Danielle, and welcome to episode 33, yes, Scottie Pippen's number, of Ain't No Free Lunch. It's week, who's still counting the weeks, honestly? It's been a long time on lockdown, and Tykeen and I thought we'd just drop off a little bit of lunch to help you make it through. This week, we talked the Jordan documentary, ESPN's The Last Dance, and whether Jordan should get a pass for his silence on social activism or not. We've only technically gotten through episode six of the documentary, but we think that the writing's pretty much already on the wall. Let's eat. Ah! This meeting is being recorded.
1: We love. <sighs> so, what's up, y'all? Look at us being consistent.
0: I know. That was a sigh of, like, I'm so pleased because yeah. I halfway didn't believe oh. that we were going to be
1: consistent. Wow. It's kind of tragic. Speaking you... our terms here, you no, didn't believe I know that to be terms,
0: We were supposed to record last week. Uh, why couldn't we record last week?
1: Hey, I had a big project and some fun Exactly.
0: Stuff, exactly. So. That's why I'm speaking in we terms <laughs> and not I. I'm doing you a favor. I'm helping you out by putting myself in that category. I was ready. Anyway. For one. Have you been watching anything? Like any like Netflix Absolutely. shows? Any television shows? I feel like yes. everybody's watching everything all the time.
1: So you know, I'm like, I always find the gems on TV. So I binge watch Waco on Netflix, which I highly recommend, y'all. Highly I'm recommend. It. It's about the travesty in Waco, Texas, where our government took arms versus American citizens in the 90s during the Clinton administration. And actually, maybe that's something that we can kind of talk about. And then the impact that that had on the white nationalist movement in America, because like Timothy McVeigh was there. It was like a 50-day standoff, 50, 51-day standoff between the government and the Branch Davidians. Timothy McVeigh was there and said like, that contributed to him with the Oklahoma City bombing. So I'm curious to kind of look at that.
0: Joe Exotic said that if they came to try to take his tigers away, it was fitting to be another Waco. Did you miss that part?
1: I did not miss that part. <laughs> um, I did not miss you know Joe exotic is he who he's a, he, he's in a in a world of his own like there are a bunch of interesting people in that show. I, I don't want to characterize them as anything else but. <laughs> <It's interesting. laughs> um, interesting colorful they are like they they just kind of do their own thing
0: yeah so, you know, love so so you watch i love them So, what else
1: for life which i highly recommend is on abc I ain't watched based that on the true story executive producer is curtis 50 cent
0: jackson uh, i don't really support him
1: hey but he's kind of i'm appreciative of the fact that he's telling so many stories so this man is incarcerated and becomes a lawyer, which that part is kind of embellished on the TV shows. But he's defending people while he's incarcerated.
0: Hmm. Oh, and I, then, have seen, I have seen the commercial for that. I just never watched it. I'm yeah.
1: It comes It comes on Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. ABC. And I'm also following How to Get Away with Murder. You know, that's about to end. So
0: I didn't know that show was That's my
1: out. Tuesday. Yeah. When that's they killed last
0: I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to watch this show no more.
1: So that's my Tuesday, Thursday, and then the past three Sundays, I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, on ESPN from 9 to 11.
0: I've been watching that too. I've been trying different shows mostly, but also I just watch shows that are like Parks and Rec and Community. Very basic shows that are funny and don't require a lot of brain thought because I spend all day working anyway because my professor's like, yes, they're funny. What do you mean? Ew. Parks and Rec? Community? Hilarious. We love it. I feel so disrespected right now. But anyway, I have also been watching the Michael Jordan special. It's like a cultural phenomenon that I think is happening right now. And I say, I think, because as y'all know, I don't have social media, so I don't know how it's playing out, but I know that there's no way that this documentary is not On television, we're not all simultaneously watching it together, and it's not a cultural phenomenon that's, like, happening on Twitter, on Instagram. I just don't have any of that, so I don't know. But I've been watching it with my brothers and my boyfriend and my dad, and my mom pretends that she's watching it. She mostly falls asleep, but, you know, she tries. She tries.
1: Yeah, you know, so for those of y'all who aren't watching it, the documentary highlights the last season of Michael Jordan's career as a Chicago Bulls. So the 97-98 NBA season. At the time, the Bulls had won five championships. So they won three. Then Michael Jordan went and played baseball for, for two seasons? And then he came back. They won two, and so they were trying to get their third to complete the second piece. So I think the documentary is really well done because, like, it weaves in components of his career prior to that season. And then, like, it tells a story of a number of the players who are like, integral parts of that final bull season.
0: Yeah. At first when they were like, oh, it's just going to be, the film crew was given unprecedented ability to get, you know, behind the scenes and like getting that perspective of Michael Jordan. I was like, okay, great. That's cute. Like that's a lot of just like behind the scenes of the same season. And so I watched it just because I wanted to see what was happening. But when they started like flipping back and forth through time, that's really when they captured me because I was like, okay, so we're actually going to provide a full picture of what this Bulls team was, what the management was like, what the culture was like at the time. I just feel like you just kind of get lifted and taken back to the 90s. And I remember 97, 98. Do you? I do. I was in the, what, second grade? I remember that. I remember all of the hype. My older brother, Yo-Yo, was a huge fan of the Chicago Bulls. And so, like, me being a fan of whatever he was a fan of, I wanted the Bulls to win. I hated Reggie Miller. I cannot tell you how much... It's, like, actually unreasonable now. And I didn't even have a reason to hate at Reggie Miller. I just felt like he was Jordan's nemesis at that time period. And that meant that Reggie Miller was terrible. And anyone who liked the Indiana Pacers was equally terrible. But yeah, it gives us this like behind the scenes, also the perspective of Jordan, the perspective of everybody about them, but particularly with Jordan, he's been super evasive about like where he's been or like just about his past in general.
1: I vividly remember that season, but I had no idea that that was, like, like all the inner workings behind this, is what they dubbed The Last Dance, right? But I I just remember that season. I also remember when Michael Jordan, like, retired and all the rumors behind that because, you know, his father passed. I but, don't remember um, that. I was too young. And then, like, his gambling. Yeah, you're a little bit too young for that. Okay, um, thank you.
0: I turned 30 and and- are. A couple days thank
1: you I about to say you are getting old out here but <laughs> nevertheless i remember like i also remember you know how like a lot of people talk about their parents especially a lot of black men their parents giving them the talk mm-hmm. about how to interact with police right i remember and so while we're here um for folks in richmond you know today is the anniversary of marcus david peters death so want to acknowledge that as we talk about police as well today
0: is may 5th just yes so So
1: my parents set me down and had this very explicit conversation about flawed people and they use michael jordan and mike tyson as examples right Mm. and so not to say that their two transgressions are equal in any way be very clear about that but They show me that people can be great at one thing and then have terrible judgment. And so like you should never admire someone or treat someone like they're a god because we all have flaws. Your heroes are human too. I think that really looking at it from that lens, I always appreciated Michael Jordan, the basketball player. And Michael Jordan, the basketball player, like he was an assassin on the basketball court, right? Mm -hmm. But he was a coward when it came to social justice issues. And I'm here to hold people accountable for what they do and what they don't do. I think there was a kind of an era thing in general, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But Charles Barkley said, I ain't your damn kid's role model, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so those guys, in some ways, they wanted the endorsement dollars and such with, with them being famous, but they didn't want the responsibility of, like, addressing social issues. I personally have a problem with it.
0: Yeah, so for me, my biggest thing is, and I had this conversation earlier, because I just felt like, If anything, we've already established that I struggle with like creating the art from the artist. The way that I feel about you as a person away from whatever you produce impacts the way that I see the things that you produce. For Michael Jordan, exactly what you said. He was an assassin on the court. I love to watch old film. I have immense respect for him in terms of the way that he played, how hard he trained X, Y, and Z. You know, we can go down the list. But (laughs) for me, it's it's something that's really, really frustrating when somebody says, I am not your role model, or I never wanted to be a role model. It's not about what you want in this instance. There are all sorts of things that come with, you just can't pick and choose what you want out of, out of like that type of fame. It just doesn't happen that way, regardless if you want to be somebody's role model. The fact of the matter is you are somebody's role model and you don't mind being a role model when you are out there sipping on Gatorade, when you're eating McDonald's and telling people where they need to buy, like endorsements are very, very kind of like tied in. People want to buy these things because they think you are a good person. You are showing them that you are X, Y, and Z. So to say that you don't want to be anybody's role model, it's just, it's kind of like a, it's not kind of, it's a cop out. It's, I want to be a role model with money. But I don't want to be a role model when it has nothing like it's something that I don't particularly am not interested in or it might harm my financial dollars. And for me, like I was talking to my friend Shayla today because we have like a study group in the morning and I was like, I just feel like we can get into it. But like, I just feel like this documentary has made me like Michael Jordan less as a person. I just feel like he's supremely selfish. And Shayla was like, I mean, you know, he's an Aquarius and Aquarians are selfish. So to all our Aquarian listeners out here.
1: My mother's one and that ain't true. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I I can't, I don't have no, but she was just like, yeah, you know, that's just like a treat. They're selfish. But yeah, like I just feel like with the Pippin incident, like, you know, this man is supporting, I don't know how many people, 10 plus people on $17 million for seven years. That's, Not a lot of money to go around if we want to look at it like that, right? Yes, he signed the contract. Yes, he was told not to sign the contract. But you can't tell him that if he wants to stage however, whatever protests he wants, that he's being selfish because you think you're not going to get a sixth ring. Like,
1: sir. But meanwhile, Jordan was like, Jordan was betting them on whose luggage would come out first. And he was stacking the deck, right? Like, he paid... (laughs) he'd pay uh, the workers in the airport to hold their luggage so his would come first. And he would take their money, knowing that they were struggling. It was just trash. But nevertheless, (laughs) so like one of the things my parents told me when we talked about Jordan, right? Right. They talked about this quote where he said, Republicans buy shoes too. You know, for 30 years at this point, Jordan has been really, really evasive about this quote, right? Like he's always said things like, Oh, well, people, people believe that, right? The same way Tommy Hilfiger says that, you know, the quote about he didn't make his clothes for urban wear, where he said that was just like an urban myth. Right. Um,
0: i heard that multiple times that it but,
1: wasn't. Like, Jordan tried to use that same narrative about Republicans buy shoes, too. But on he, Sunday night... on on Sunday night, he admitted that he said it. Exactly. And he was downright unapologetic and and indignant about it. Like, yeah, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) He was like,
0: it's a joke. And I was like, sir, it wasn't a joke, though. That's the thing. You can say something in a joking manner, and it be the full-on truth. For me, it was just, I don't know, I just feel like he does not like being held accountable. And for that in that moment, for you and I mean, we'll definitely give some background because I know they kind of like they they talk about you know Jesse Helms, but they don't really talk about Jesse Helms and how like, like they gloss
1: they gloss over it, right? Yeah, like, like
0: how reprehensible like, this man is. This isn't just him like giving an endorsement because this is a black guy running for. Senate. Like they they weren't just trying to get them to get him to to endorse Harvey Gantt just because they felt like it. It was like this is a major moment in our history, in your home state's history, and you can't be bothered to speak up because you want to make sure that you have shoe sales, sir. If you don't being apolitical, It's still a political position. You have chosen, it has ramifications. To me, there's very little that's actually apolitical when you're in a position like that. Making a decision-
1: Ain't nothing apolitical, period. Exactly. Making a decision
0: to not make a decision is still making, it. like you're still coming down on somebody's side. I don't know. And I know people are saying, you know, if I didn't know it, so so so-and-so, I wouldn't have endorsed him either. Let's talk about Harvey Gantt and Jesse Helms.
1: So in 1990- Harvey Gantt, a black man from North Carolina, challenged Jesse Helms for the U.S. Senate seat. Harvey Gantt, black Democrat, Jesse Helms, a Republican, who, when you think of, like, the conservative, the moral right, you should be thinking of people like Jesse Helms, Strom Thurmond, George Wild, like, I think George Wallace was actually a Republican, but a Democrat, but this is the same mindset, right? Yeah, the
0: ideology is the same.
1: So Helms was one of the most controversial senators during his tenure. I'm not being hyperbolic here. Think about Donald Trump and Jerry Falwell combined. (laughs) Like, that's who Jesse Helms was. So (laughs) here are a few troubling things from his tenure as a senator. Helms successfully pushed to prohibit travel to the U.S. based on HIV status. The United States was the only industrialized nation in the world to do this. And for those of you all who always like to take shots of Barack Obama, Obama was the person who ended this ban. So you think about this, this ban lasted 20 years. George W. Bush started the process, but Obama actually ended the ban. Then, Helms fought against increasing federal financing for HIV and AIDS research and treatment, saying that the disease resulted from unnatural and disgusting homosexual behavior.
0: I mean, he's the person who basically said, "quote Nothing positive happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, and nothing positive is likely to happen to America if our people succumb to the drumbeats of support for the homosexual lifestyle." End quote.
1: Like pa- Paul said, <laughs> I'm so tired of of people using the story of Sodom and Gomorrah to talk about homosexuality. That ain't about homosexuality. That's about incest. But carry on like yeah, we can terrible. have a theology discussion whenever y'all want to but come <laughs> with the fact
0: He's not just a person that is adamantly focused on homosexual behavior during this time period, almost to the point of obsession. But he's also, we named him with Strom Thurmond and George Wallace for for a reason. Like he was also very deeply racist, right? He had a flyer that bashed one candidate for supporting interracial marriage. This is 19, these are the 1990s. He had a campaign flyer that said, Quote, white people wake up before it's too late, end quote.
1: So don't that sound like Make America Great Again to you?
0: It sounds like it to me. And apparently, because you don't know the person who's running against this person, that's a good enough reason not to endorse them.
1: Oh, oh we ain't even done yet, y'all. <laughs> we ain't even done yet. It's,
0: you have to laugh because it's so insane. It's so insane.
1: Helms voted against confirming RBG to Supreme Court because she supported a, quote, homosexual agenda. This was in the 90s, y'all. Oh,
0: my God. Then
1: he called homosexuals, quote, weak, morally sick wretches, and then tried to cut funding for the National Endowment for the Arts for supporting the gay-oriented artwork of photographer Robert Mapplethorpe. Like, are you kidding me, man?
0: People can say, like, blah, 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 man of his time. A lot of people, like, opposed gay marriage, homosexuality, blah, 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 blah. Like, even if we want to give in to that really BS excuse, which it is BS. But, like, he wasn't just, like, in the 90s. He'd been, he, Helms had a track record and had been in the Senate. I think, like, maybe this was, like, his fourth or fifth term. He's been in the Senate for a very long time. This man opposed busing. He opposed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. And then his quote said that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was the single most dangerous piece of legislation ever introduced to Congress. So even if people want to give him like, oh, the 90s, weird times for about how the country felt about LGBTQ issues. In the 90s, even though, you know, we still had the crime bill and blah, blah, and people are racist then, people are racist forever, whatever. They, it still was not, okay for someone to be like the civil rights act of 1964 was the most dangerous like piece of legislation ever to like be introduced to congress not even to pass congress just to be introduced do you know all the wild crap that's been introduced do you know like, <laughs> just introduced period is wild
1: hold on hold on Helm filibuster for 16 days to block the King holiday from becoming a federal holiday.
0: You know how hard it is to filibuster something. Do you know how intensely draining that is? Sixteen days for
1: sixteen days.
0: You have to be so and then, dedicated.
1: And then in nineteen ninety, the Department of Justice. So let me give you some context here. The nineteen ninety Department of Justice was that was during President George H. W. Bush's tenure as president. Yep. So wasn't Barr his Attorney General at the time?
0: I can't remember, but probably. I
1: I think Barr was his attorney general. This is why we need a fact checker. (laughs) The Department of Justice warned Jesse Helms because he mailed 125,000 postcards to households and predominantly black precincts. Warning them, incorrectly that is, that they could go to jail if they had not updated their addresses on the electoral register since moved. This is voter intimidation. This is why we had the Bowdoin Rights Act right here. Actions like this.
0: I mean, and it's, it's deliberate misinformation. He deliberately blocked black judges. There is no question of, even if I don't know who Harvey Gantt is, I know who Jesse Helms is. Like, and there's no way that even if you're not paying attention during that time period, you can come up in North Carolina and not know who Jesse Helms is. I don't know. Like, the fact that often Jordan would feign ignorance and just being like, I don't know about any of those things. Honestly, sir, I can't. (laughs) Pick up a book. Watch the news. Do something. You're stressing me out.
1: So yeah, Jesse Helms made a clarion call for white nationalists to practice xenophobia and homophobia. Mm-hmm. In 1990, the Gantt campaign, once again, Harvey Gantt, black man who was running for US Senate, the Gantt campaign asked the most popular man in the world, Michael Jordan, who happened to be from North Carolina, to endorse Harvey Gantt as he was running against Jesse Helms. Furthermore, Michael Jordan's mama. Yes, I didn't know that I took documentary. His mama said, "Hey, will you record the PSA to encourage people to vote for Harvey?"
0: He said, "No, nah,
1: I'm good." Jordan said, "No, nah. I mean, I mean, Republicans buy shoes too."
0: Your own mother knows the importance of this, and what got me was not just you know people grow, they learn. You know, he was technically like a still a young man during this time period. I mean, not that young, but you know, young enough that at this point in his life, he could say like, you know what, that was a mistake. I should have endorsed that man. Even if it really didn't have, couldn't have had any impact on, you know, like Helms could have still won. We're not saying that Michael Jordan endorsing Gantt would have magically turned the tide of that election. But the fact is we will never know. And he still does not care that that's what, like this is your home state. These are things that are directly impacting your people. Like not even talking like black people writ large, like your actual family members who still live in North Carolina are being negatively impacted by this man and his campaign and his, all of the other things that he's been doing. And you can't drum up any sort of interest when your own mother is like, hey, can you just record a PSA? Can you just, can you do something? And the fact that today he's still like, I was joking, I didn't know him. I'm not my responsibility. I'm not a role model. Miss me, sir, I can't. I, I was, through, I was frustrated it was a lot
1: listen my dude like you mean to tell me that you're branding that much to you that you're unwilling to even acknowledge your mama and <laughs> I mean Gantt lost by five points and at the time North Carolina was super red, but he only lost by five points Michael Jordan was the most influential person in the world Michael Jordan endorsed him like he opens up fundraising, like I'm sure a lot of people would have voted because those like we had the commercials like be like Mike.
0: Oh yeah. You no,
1: know, you think about in nineteen ninety, people wanted to be like Mike, Magic, but he was on the West Coast, so he wasn't as big on the East yeah. Coast. And then you have Michael Jackson.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot.
1: <sighs> so I mean, it like this is the nicest way I can say this. This is trash and I ain't got no respect for it. <laughs> so Helms People are mad.
0: Wins. People defend Michael Jordan like he pays bills at their house.
1: Hey, look, and I got, I got Jordans. Look, we can talk about it. I, I got time. Like.
0: Most recent uh, release. I still think he trashed for that. I also only have one pair of Jordans, so I, I find solace in that.
1: <laughs> Helms wins. And at his celebration at night, he said, and I quote, There's no joy in Mudville tonight. Yeah, they
0: showed that on the documentary.
1: So, yep, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, you got your shoes while this guy's calling you mud.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But he got his shoes, he got his money, and that was my biggest thing is that, like, for as hardworking as he is and for how he is incredibly frustrated when other people aren't working collaboratively with him for his goals, the fact of the matter is that he doesn't really care about things that do not directly impact him. I can go down the line about why capitalism makes us this way. That's not this time <laughs> for this podcast. But like to say that this man has no responsibility to anyone but himself is the same argument people make for Jeff Bezos, for Elon Musk, for all of these, it's, it's, it's very, very similar in terms of, of people thinking about the individual. And no matter how badly you don't want to be a role model, Michael Jordan, you were and you are. So you have to behave accordingly. What did, what did Uncle Ben say? With great something comes a lot of responsibility. <laughs> I should know this quote by now. <laughs> I've seen enough Marvel movies. <laughs> like, listen to Uncle Ben, Michael Jordan. If you don't listen to us, I'm done. Ugh.
1: So when it when the documentary was first announced, I immediately slid into my group's chat and asked the fellas, like, yo, is Greg Hodges going to be in here, though?
0: <laughs>
1: and, and, like, he, they're like, man, you tripping. Like, you know, Jordan is not allowing it to happen. So for those of y'all who don't know, Craig Hodges was the best shooter on the early Bulls roster. Oh, yeah. And he was... Uh, a really outspoken political activist.
0: They don't even mention Hodges at
1: all. Don't even see a clip of Craig Hodges. No, because I think
0: we've gotten to episode six at this point, right? So episode six, they just won 93. Craig Hodges played on the 91 and 92, prior to that as well, but the 91 and 92 mm. championship teams. So he was there. And it's just very interesting to me that there's all possibility that maybe he was just like, I don't want to be interviewed. I highly doubt that for reasons we'll get into later. But it's stuck out that he is absent from any of the commentaries from the very first two wins.
1: I didn't know this, but Craig Hodges played for Tex Winter at Long Beach State University. For those of y'all who don't know, Tex Winter was a longtime assistant with the Bulls and then with the Lakers. He is the mastermind behind the triangle offense, which most people say that's what helped get the Bulls over the championship hump.
0: With Phil Jackson. They they spent some time on Winters.
1: Yes. Prior to Hodges' senior season at Long Beach State, his friend named Ron Settles, who's a running back on the football team, died. And it sparked a number of protests among the student body.
0: Yeah, because he, he was murdered. He didn't die.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The official record says that it was a suicide. But yeah. like autopsy. sounds
1: a lot like the Sandra Bland case. He was arrested for speeding. And then he was found severely beaten and hanging in his jail cell the following morning.
0: Right. The autopsy said that he had choked, to, had been choked to death, but the police basically said that it was a suicide. I don't know how this man beat and then choked himself and then still managed to commit suicide by hanging. But that's really like where Craig Hodges kind of began to find himself politicized in a way that a lot of people have compared to Colin Kaepernick. Obviously Colin Kaepernick didn't have that particular moment of politicization but that was kind of like what sparked his his everything in terms of like what happened so the Bulls win their first championship in 91 as right. all force teams do they go to the White House. Taheen, tell us about this White House experience <laughs> because this is really where I was like yeah there isn't like there's really no excuse for
1: Jordan. So the Bulls win championship they beat the Lakers to give you all some context. And ninety one was when the Rodney King beating happened, right? So the Bulls come to the White House the fall of ninety one. So this, after the Rodney King, after the whole world has seen Rodney King being beaten,
0: right?
1: Craig Hodges pulls up there in a dashiki,
0: not a suit, a tie, a what?
1: A dashiki.
0: I love it. I love it. I respect it so much. And
1: delivers an eight page handwritten letter. To then President George H.W. Bush,
0: mm-hmm.
1: ask him about the administration's treatment of poor and underrepresented communities. And I mean, he turns up in the letter. Like, okay. he, he references the Rodney King beating, the Gulf War, like, but there was nothing. Hodges later said he bet that he didn't even read the whole first page.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, just to give you a little bit of a flavor, this is like directly from the note. It, you know, the one that he supposes that the president never read. He said, quote, the purpose of this note is to speak on behalf of the poor people, Native Americans, homeless, and most specifically the African Americans who are not able to come to this great edifice and meet the leader of the nation where they live. This letter is not begging for anything. The 300 years of free slave labor has left the African American community destroyed. It is time for a comprehensive plan for change. Hopefully this letter will help become a boost in the unification of inner city youth and these issues will be brought to the forefront of the domestic agenda." End quote. He didn't do, it wasn't like a whole, it wasn't like he got in front of the cameras and started reading his letter. He wore a dashiki and he passed the president uh, a note. That's, right. that's powerful. He's like, if I'm gonna be in that room, this is how I'm gonna make use of that space. And I, I find so, that- okay. Uh, uh,
1: we gonna go back, we gonna talk some more about Mr. Hopkins. then, in in 92, the Bulls win their second championship.
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: They beat the Portland Trailblazers. And this was just months after the police officers were acquitted for beating Rodney King. And so, for those of you all who are young listeners, Rodney King was abused by police. They used excessive force. Fortunately, someone caught it on film, went across the world, era um, everyone like, oh, like, it's on film. This is definitely, they're going to be convicted. The police officers were acquitted the next year. And so then there was a huge riot for like, what, 32 days? Yeah. The L.A. riot um, because the police officers were acquitted. So think of like Ferguson, but much more dangerous. I think like 28, 29 people died during the riot in L.A. And before we had access to around the clock news. So right after the riots were over, the media as the most popular man in the world, hey, what do you think about the riot? Michael Jordan says, I haven't caught up on the news. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: If you want more context, there's a really great documentary. It's on Netflix called uh, LA 92. You should definitely check that out. But to me, beyond anything, it's just so, I haven't caught up on the news. How many, how, how long were these riots? How long was this like, disturb like this, like people over a month, how do you just not know? And it's not just that you haven't caught up on the news, it's that nobody around you has caught up on the news. Nobody that you were interacting I mean, with. he and we how had is that still even possible? Some, like,
1: yeah, what distractions did you have, man? Like, if, if you pick up a paper it's on the front page, so Hodges like blast them right like, as he like, should have after they won the second championship, Hodges. Was not picked up by any other team. So he was blackballed from the NBA. Despite being like one of the best shooters I think there are only two people in NBA history who have won three straight three-point shooting contests, and that's Hodges and Larry Bird. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't know that. That gives you some context. Of on from where run, he was coming from. On how prolific of a, of a shooter he was, right?
0: I don't know how you come off of your second straight championship and have won three three-point shooting contests and just completely become unsigned. Hodges said... It it is he was very much so blackballed and it wasn't that just he blasted jordan he said that jordan quote put commerce before
1: conscious yo like yo like somebody should put that on the t-shirt like they should make a meme with jordan literally Bryan. commerce said, before conscious commerce before conscious and the jordan it. logo and then him crying
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just that he blasted him but like i just had been hoping to work with jordan not to, like, personally enrich himself, but to, to help the community. He was encouraging him, like, you know, you should break with Nike, especially after that first year where they said they were hoping to have sold, like, what, $3 million worth of shoes, and they, they sold over, like, $100 million? You know? $120 that, million. Right. That not that power isn't coming from Nike. It's coming from Jordan, like Air Jordan. So, Hodges says, let's capitalize on that. Not even let's. You should do that. You need a break with Nike. You should go into the sneaker business for yourself with, but this is this is where Hodges differs from Jordan, right? It's not just like go in so you can get all the profits, but now you have more control over the revenue that's coming in. So you should take some of that money, flip it and put it back into black news, right?
1: But you know, Jordan was like, I mean, I'm just, I'm not in a position to take control right now because I'm tainted by what they said that I said about Republicans buy shoes too. And that's probably the most infuriating thing to me about it, because where I'm from, we call it capping. Like, he (laughs) pretended that this didn't happen for all of these years. And he knew it was the truth. Like, he really did say Republicans buy shoes, too. But that was his excuse.
0: Yeah, I mean, and now Craig Hodges, after being blackballed from the NBA, he's back in his community I think that like he high had big coach. Yeah, he's a high school basketball coach. They really set out to prevent him from making it like the large scale impact that he really truly wanted to have. And honestly, what's infuriating, it's not just like he was blackballed, but that nobody spoke out against it. Not that I can remember. Maybe if Jordan if Jordan if I somebody can find me a quote where Jordan said something man, he on the
1: Yeah, he didn't. I mean, it, he didn't, he didn't like, it, I, I mean, that's why I say when people talk about like, Oh, Kaepernick did this and kept, if you want to talk about Kaepernick, we can talk about his ability and the impact that his contract and some of the decisions that he made mm-hmm. and how that could, like you can make an, a football argument why Kaepernick got cut by 49ers. Like you can make a football argument. You cannot make a basketball argument for Craig Hodges. Point blank period, and so when I look at somebody like Craig Hodges, you know even though he doesn't have the trillion dollar businesses and such, Craig Hodges stood up, man,
0: mhm,
1: and the nicest way I can say about Michael Jordan is he had dressed up trash can. I don't know how many of y'all ever been into, like, a hood in America where you paint the trash can as you begin to look at, like, the broken windows theory of police. Like, if it looks good, people will behave. And so if they paint the trash can and, like, oh, man, like, people are actually going to put the trash in the trash can the trash can looks good. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan's a dressed-up trash can, man. Like, it might look nice on the outside, man, but he's still garbage on the inside, man. He's trash. That's what he is.
0: He's selfish. And I mean, and that's for me, that's why in 2016, right, where he did his whole, I i don't know if people have read it. Of course they have. But if you haven't, go check it out, where he kind of, like, says, like, I can no longer stay silent. I just rolled my eyes. Hey, he, I did was like,
1: him. he said, I can no longer stay silent, right? But, but even that, that was calculated, right? Like, that was calculated. So this is the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. So Jordan sees that all these other professional athletes are, like, getting super involved in social justice. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, LeBron. And um and, and and some of them, that wasn't new, right? Like, LeBron, when he was with the Heat, they posted a picture in solidarity oh, yeah. with the hoods on for Trayvon Martin. Like, those players were consistently speaking out. Mm-hmm. How all of them were wearing I can't breathe t-shirts, right? Or so even my at Jordan, the
0: ESPYs, right? You got Carmelo Anthony, you had – Chris Paul, Wayne Wayne, with that huge opening monologue, right? Addressing the amount of police shootings for black victims. Like, you know what I mean? Like the athletes, I think at that moment in particular, were coalescing around this understanding of like, we have a platform regardless of how we decide, regardless of whether we want to use our platform, whether you say something or not, you're still using your platform. But again, to it's the right point point. Point. like you choose not to say something, that is a use of your platform. You choose to say something on either side, that is a use of your platform. Athletes recognizing that, particularly in the NBA, is where I'm focusing. It's like athletes recognizing that are, are understanding that silence is still choosing a side.
1: Okay. Your boy, Michael Jordan, he wasn't being conscious with that letter. Like, it was still about commerce for him, right? So, yeah, Michael Jordan made $1 million donations to both International Association of of Police Institute for Community Police Relations. That's a mouthful. And then the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, right? Yeah. But... I truly, and I could be wrong, prove me wrong. I truly believe that Michael Jordan only did that because he saw the writing on the wall, right? Like he saw the aforementioned players who are at the top of their game speaking out against these social justice issues, right? And as an owner of a professional sports franchise, I think Michael Jordan thought that that would put him in their good graces if he was, if he became an activist or outspoken. Then you, you, you look at like the game's biggest player, both on and off the floor, LeBron James had just been the greatest team ever in the NBA finals. So for Michael Jordan, I think it's all about legacy, right? Like, so Jordan was part of the the first NBA team, the Bulls to win 70 games. they went 72 and 10. And then the Warriors, 73 and 9, and LeBron beat that team in the finals. So regular. the best team in regular season NBA history, LeBron beat them in the finals.
0: I just I feel like again, he said, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. And when it the conversation shifted towards like these are the type of athletes that the community writ large was saying like, we're glad that you're speaking out. And that kind of like boosts that favoritism. I, I think in a lot of ways, that was a competitive move on his part. Even if it's like, take away the commerce, it's a competitive, like like you said, le- legacy. How, how am I figuring in this conversation? And people definitely were bringing up his name not in a positive light as it relates to social activism and athleticism. And it it had been happening for so long, but not really necessarily like tarnishing his image until you start having these other players that are showing up. And honestly, people were following Jordan. He didn't need a collective. He would have created the collective of outspoken athletes. Had someone like Jordan stepped up and stepped out and said like, just in the same way like LeBron did with the I can't breathe shirt, X Y and Z. Other people would have followed his lead. He is a natural leader. He it's it's not that he wouldn't have been prote- like to to think that he needed other people to do it before he
1: could join
0: to me is it's just like antithetical. A coward. He said yeah, it's antithetical to who he is. He says who he says says he is.
1: Jordan has consistently said, well, you see what they did to Muhammad Ali when he spoke out. So Jordan kind of comes from this era of like, it's kind of like the Joe Lewis mindset, right? Like, if you think about people who were like super successful off of their professional field or court, they didn't rock the boat during that time. You know, if you look at OJ, if you look at like Marcus Allen, like the, the marketable people weren't outspoken. And like, that's one thing that like, I really, really respect about LeBron mm-hmm. because LeBron has turned like all of that upside down. He's done it his way. And I'll preface this by saying, like, I wasn't a huge LeBron fan, the basketball player. I always respected him. I'm a Lakers LeBron, fan, game. right? But I, I'm a Lakers fan. I have always been a Lakers fan. The Lakers are
0: trash.
1: And in many ways, and more ways than most people want to acknowledge, the late Kobe Bryant emulated Michael Jordan, like, on and off the court. Like, Kobe didn't speak out about issues. like He was in a silo, right? Like, Kobe was Michael Jordan part two, for real. Mm-hmm. And LeBron has, like, changed the game. I'm so happy that he's on my team and I can root for him outside of the Olympics. Because usually be, I only can root for LeBron during the Olympics. But, oh, like, I'm man. so happy I can root for him 82 games a
0: year. I have but, one basketball team that I dislike, and they are the Lakers. Proceed.
1: Yeah. But, but you know, to your credit, on that dreadful day in late January 2020, uh-huh. you called me, you like. I'm not gonna use the colorful language that you use, but you're like, "Are you good?" (laughs) I appreciate that because I know how much disdain you have for Kobe, the individual, and for the Lakers. But as a collective, yes, yes, yes. But nevertheless, this is all about money for Michael Jordan, right? So those donations, that letter, like all of that stuff happened in July 2016, mind you, LeBron had won he beat that great warriors team in june 2016 on father's day right right so what happened in july of 2016 so hold on hold on one second you remember (laughs) michael jordan won that he won a championship on father's day after his father died he was crying and then lebron won the championship on father's day he brings the championship back to cleveland father's day was also King James's birthday, what is bronze moniker? So like, Jordan's like, oh shit, my legacy is in danger. Like, for real. so I need to control the narrative. And so what does he do in July of 2016? He finally gave permission for this documentary to be made after refusing to do so for 18 years. It's not a coincidence.
0: And I mean, to be- Hell
1: no, it ain't no coincidence.
0: To be like patently honest, Watching the way that basketball was played and like the brutal beatings that people were taking on the, on the court, off court. Like, I have so much respect for him as an athlete in those spaces. Um, I don't know. They, they was fighting out there <laughs> in ways that like the NBA is fundamentally different now as compared to when he was like, you know, winning these championships. But for me, it's like I know that Jordan is the basketball player but I can only think of him in the context of basketball because when I think about who he is as a person, it kind of like, it tarnishes all of that. The fact that you refuse to give permission for a documentary only when somebody is about to like knock on your door because you want to stay relevant in this space because that's exactly what it is. It's about making money and staying relevant. To me, it just... I just, I can't. And I'm sure that there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with me, but I just find him to be an incredibly selfish, self-centered person, which, you know, he has every right to be. He has every right to make every decision. Drop the he,
1: trash can, man. That's what he, he is. I'm not Just saying that can.
0: he didn't have the right to make those decisions, and those are the decisions that he made. But that means that I dislike him, and I have the right to dislike him for those decisions. And I think that people, what they want to say, is he had the right to make those decisions. Therefore, because he had that right, you shouldn't be upset with him. No, you. That's not how this works at all.
1: Hey, Uh-oh. you know me, I'm always going to hold up that mirror of truth and hold you accountable. Oh, yeah. Period. I,
0: LeBron. I too. hold my
1: mama accountable. And hey, you know I hold you accountable. We hold time, each other right? accountable. You get mad. Uh, <laughs> you get mad. Yeah. Whatever. I do
0: get mad. You get mad, too. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> my getting mad is completely different from your getting mad. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: I don't lash out. Yeah,
0: we'll see. For so, me, but anyway,
1: like. At the end of the day, I'm really appreciative for some of the contributions to society that Michael Jordan made outside of social activism, right? Like he did do. I think I think Michael Jordan really like brought in this confidence and even down to like I remember reading this this case study years ago about how many men went to a bald head because of Michael Jordan? Right. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. Here I am, what, 53 days without a haircut now. I can't imagine if I had a curly kid, right? <laughs> so thank you for that, Michael Jordan. Down to basketball shoes. Story about Michael Jordan and the Air Jordan brand and like. You have to give him credit. How, how the NBA at the time only wanted solid white shoes and how they like added colors to his shoes. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I appreciate the longer shorts, even though we're kind of going away from that now. But as far as like, like social justice, hey, man, you leave a lot to be desired. And George, we here. Like, you know, like I'm going to send us to to the Hornet. I'm going to tag y'all on, on Twitter and I'll email them. Like, if you like to come up here and talk, I know you won't, but you're welcome to do so. Um, I'm going to have the same energy for you. So. As we should.
0: As we should. We wanna close out with some recommendations, obviously. And one of the things that we're looking to read, we have not read it yet, so it's kinda like a halfway recommendation. Can't recommend something you read. But Craig Hodges, who we were talking about earlier, has a beautifully written from what I've heard, but also brutally honest book called Long Shot. In it he talks about his Jordan era Chicago Bulls experience. He's talking about black history. He's talking about politics of sports. You can find it on Amazon. I think it was recently published, like what, 2016 ish, something like that. But it's yeah. something that I want to invest my around
1: the same, in. around the same time that the Jordan decided to give donations.
0: Yeah. And so check that out also, the three-part Showtime documentary that came out in like 2018, you remember that, Shut Up and Dribble? It was executive produced by LeBron James and narrated by Jamel Hill. The very first, like one of the very first featured athletes is Craig Hodges in that Showtime series, Shut Up and Dribble. So if you have Showtime, you got access to Showtime, it's basically just like a three-part series that chronicles the cultural and political evolution of NBA athletes. So if you want to like put Jordan in context with his peers outside of this documentary, Shut Up and Dribble, that very first episode would be a fantastic place to go. And just kind of check that out.
1: Yeah. And so that shut up and dribble piece came up because I forget what exactly it was. But LeBron spoke out about something and Laura Ingram said that he should just shut up and dribble. Yeah. And that's why every time I see a professional athlete do something remarkable, like right now, Stephen Curry and what he's doing for the city of Oakland. Every time I see it on Twitter, like I retweet it and say, I'm so happy that he didn't shut up and dribble or she didn't shut up and dribble. Oh yeah! Thank you all so much for, for rocking with us today, and you didn't ask hopefully me to learn some Matter of fact, you. man, Danielle, are you lying to the people? I see a couple pair of Jordans back behind you there. You lying to the people?
0: Um, uh, I'm at uh, my partner's house, and those are his Jordans. Okay. Thank you. in oh, for right. me. Uh Uh-uh, I have one pair of Jordans. I purchased my first set over Christmas.
1: And then you wore them to Oakland to a high school basketball game. We talk about that later. We (laughs) did talk about
0: that. that. It was deep in West Oakland. So did we eat today?
1: I believe so. I believe so. I think this was a a nice little entree today. Uh, My boy Fabulous said entree is only good with something on the side, though.
0: Stop talking. Just (laughs) go to timeout. We're done. We're done. Thanks for listening, y'all.